Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, national NBA writer for the Washington Post. And today we have a fun episode, I think, for anybody who's trying to fill out a bracket. Um, you know, we I wanted to try to to give people who haven't had a chance to watch the NCAA turn or watch the NCAA all season um, a chance to really uh, get to know some of these players are going to see over the next couple weeks from an NBA standpoint in terms of you know what these guys are like as players and so maybe you know fans can start to think about um, what these guys might look like on their favorite teams next season and uh, to do that um, I utilized the deep bench we've got at the Washington Post. Um, and uh, and had three of my colleagues come on, um, Ava Wallace first, who covers Virginia and Virginia Tech, Gene uh, Wong, who covers Georgetown, and also uh, does George Washington in the Atlantic 10. Um, so he, he, we talked a little bit about some of the A-10 guys in the tournament. And then Roman Stubbs, who covers Maryland, and so he saw the Big Ten. And, uh, you know, he, he was really good on, uh, on, you know, the guys from Michigan State and Maryland and everywhere else around the Big Ten that are playing in the tournament. So... Um, you know, we talked a little bit about the brackets and some picks for, you know, who they thought might go far and might not in the tournament itself. But for the most part, this was trying to give, you know, kind of a broad overview of what, um, what these prospects are like and, uh, and what you might expect from them if they end up on your team. So hopefully you guys will enjoy it. Um, before we get into that, uh, one other drafting that's been interesting this week, uh, has been that Ben Simmons, uh, you know, the, the number, the, really the only draft source, um, you should be looking at is draft express, uh, which is run by Jonathan Given. He's a friend of the friend of mine and, and, a, a unbelievable, uh, draft, um, uh, unbelievable draft resource for anybody who's either trying to cover it like me, or is just a fan who's interested in it. him and his people do an incredible job. And, uh, you know, Jonathan wrote a big, a big piece for the vertical, uh, this week about why Ben Simmons is no longer number one on their board, um, falling behind Brandon Ingram, who I uh, talked to Ava about. Uh, it, Ingram went to Duke. Um, a lot of the things that Jonathan touched on, frankly, are things that I saw when I watched Simmons myself in um, in Brooklyn back in November, right after I started the Washington Post when he played against LSU. Um, you know, he's a guy that you know, he, he, he looks at times like he's sleepwalking through games. Um, his shot is a real issue. Um, you know, I, it, it, it would be interesting to see if he's in a situation where he's not the primary ball handler on a team. Um, you know, if he does have to play with a, on a team with a real point guard, let's say the Wizards, you know, fall apart here and they somehow win the lottery or finish second and have a chance to draft him. They've got John Wall um, or if the Lakers – you know, end up having the chance to draft him. They have D'Angelo Russell, who's, you know, should be their long-term fitted point guard. You know, a guy like him who can't really shoot right now, um, it'll be interesting to see how he fits off the ball. Um, I will say that he is an extremely talented kid, and, um, you know, I, I think that he he's going to be just fine in the long run. Um, but it, 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 it was interesting to read some of that stuff that Jonathan wrote, um, and it's also a reason why Jonathan hasn't had him as the number one prospect the entire time. 
back in November after uh, Simmons had a monster game in Brooklyn. I think he had nearly a triple-double, put up gigantic numbers, 30, 30-something and double-digit rebounds and should have had double-digit assists if anybody could have made a shot that night. Uh, you know, there were people going on television saying, how dare you not have him as the top overall player in the draft? It'd be insane not to. And, you know, Jonathan stuck to his guns and said, look, you know, this it's a long way to go and there's things that have to be figured out. And sure enough, you know, you, uh, history has borne out that, uh, you know, team, people might want to take a minute to look around and, and see who they're going to actually draft in June before deciding in November. So um, I, I would suggest you all go check out that piece, but I just thought it was interesting since we're talking about the draft to touch on Simmons here. Um, that's a story that I'm sure will get plenty of play between now and June. And, and I'm sure I'll be writing about it at the Washington Post. So, um, with that, let's uh, let's get started with the podcast, uh, beginning with Ava Wallace. All right, so we're here with Ava Wallace, Ace Virginia and Virginia Tech writer for the Post, um, to begin our breakdown of the tournament, Post style. Ava, I know you're wandering through the streets of the district, so how I are you am. Doing? I'm good. Is the, is the traffic providing a nice lull in the background? Nice little ambiance in the background. Yeah. You're, on the street reporting. Ava's got way more important things to do than talk to me, so she's the on her way to... The Bachelor finale tonight. What are you talking about? I, That's the most important I thing. I know. Well, I knew that was where you were going. You just wouldn't admit it <laughs> earlier, so... That's right. Now I got you to admit it on the podcast. Uh, before we start, who's going who's gonna to win? Oh. Um, my pick, honestly, is Oklahoma. Not not that. Who's going to win the Bachelor the Bachelor? Oh, who's going to win the Bachelor? The yeah. Movie? Okay. That's the one that um, matters more it's to obviously, people. It's obviously going to be Lauren B. It's mm. got to be, right? It's got to be. It's got to be Lauren I think B. He, I think he has a thing for blondes. I think I uh, apparently we know who the Bachelorette's going to be already, so I won't spoil that for your devoted listeners, but I'll well, just say gonna, I'm a little This is going to come out after after that's on anyway, but I, uh, <laughs> I, I watched the first couple episodes of this season of The Bachelor, and, uh-huh. uh, and this guy, Ben, is just a clown. So I don't know if he's different than I don't know if he's different than uh, the, any of the previous bachelors. Who I, when I've never seen any of them, uh, no, but, they're all they're all cut from the same. Yeah, literally, maybe perhaps cut from the same cloth. Yeah, I don't know how anybody watches the show. But anyway, on to more uh, on to more stage productions like the NCAA tournament. So, mm-hmm. um, as I said in the intro, we're going to bounce around uh, to our three uh, top-notch college people. Um, Ava, Gino, and, and Roman, and kind of get their thoughts on everybody they saw throughout the season. Ava, covering Virginia and Virginia Tech, saw everybody in the ACC a bunch of times. Um, she's about to go back to Raleigh once again uh, for, for to cover Virginia this weekend. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so if you're going to talk about ACC, uh, ACC tournament prospects and people um, draft-wise as you walk through the water, it sounds like, um, <laughs> Let's uh, let's start with Brandon Ingram, who Draft Express okay. just moved to number one today in their uh, on their big board. Uh, we were joking before the podcast on just how skinny he is um, at six right. nine and one hundred ninety six pounds. So never seen anything like it. <laughs> so so for for some NBA fans who haven't got a chance to see much of him or, or really paid any attention, what uh, what can you tell them about the the new uh, possible number one pick in the draft? Okay, well, I can tell you, first of all, that he is my favorite player to watch just because he reminds me of such like an old school NBA guy. I know that sounds silly coming from someone in their early 20s, but I feel like he should be out there wearing like short shorts and a baggy T-shirt on the court 
he looks like just like all those classic guys you see on on TV with the grainy looks. It makes you feel like you're watching some good basketball. But um, he's part of that Duke team that had a really good rebound after losing Emil Jefferson, kind of their one of their only senior leaders, really one of their only veterans. Um, and he was one of the guys who really pulled the team together. So I've heard that the NBA scouts really take character into um, into consideration a lot. And he's definitely got that. He's definitely shown as a young guy that he can kind of help put a team on his shoulders there along with Grayson Allen. Great shooter too. Now I saw it. I, I saw him earlier in the season at the garden and, uh-huh. and he, he seemed like a guy who could tend to sleepwalk through games and um, obviously has a ton of athletic talent, but I, I just didn't know if he was a guy that was really going to put it together um, from watching him this year, do you is that something that you've seen? Have you seen him have kind of complete performances as he's gone along? Yeah, well, okay, so Virginia went to Cameron Indoor, had a really tough loss there um, in front of the Cameron Crazies on Coach K's birthday, and that was one of the more complete games um, I've seen from a lot of those Duke guys, actually, Plumlee and Grayson Allen included. Um, you kind of have the sense that even though they don't have that much experience, they just kind of know when they need to turn it on. And I know exactly what you mean when you say he looks like he's like sleep sleepwalking through games. He kind of gets in that zone and has that. It's almost like something with his face where his face just goes a little bit slack. And I think he's relaxed, but um, no, I've I've definitely seen complete performances out of him um, out of a lot of those two guys, actually pretty impressive. And they held, um, they held Brogdon, Malcolm Brogdon, Virginia's, star senior to um i can't remember how many points but lower than he usually scores <laughs> for those for those people that haven't got a chance of seeing him up close though ava what um what are some of the things that he does well besides being a super athlete yeah well you don't really need to be all that close to kind of see what he does well he's one of those guys who can really ice a game from three-point range um he stayed pretty efficient throughout Duke season. Like I said, they lost their main leader and they had to have a couple guys step up. And it was pretty impressive for him as a freshman uh, to be able to work with within Duke's smaller role. Um, you know, they only play Marshall Plumley. I, I also cannot believe how many Plumleys there are in the world still. I always forget about that. Um, but he, he plays well in that smaller lineup with Marshall Plumley just as their one big. He's got this incredible wingspan. Um, and from beyond the arc out there at three point range, he's shooting uh 40% for the season. So that's kind of how he helps his team out there on the perimeter. And he had 25 at that home game against Virginia. So talking about a complete game, that was one where he, he really turned it on, had four turnovers in that game. He's still a young guy, but can't argue with 25 points sometimes. Yeah. He, that is the one thing. I mean, for everybody in the NBA trying to find uh shooting on the perimeter, here's an athletic guy that shot 40% from three, um, you know, that's a big reason why people are excited about him. Uh, you mentioned mm-hmm. him, you mentioned him a couple times, um, but uh, Grayson Allen has kind of been the the standard bearer for the Blue Devils this year. Is kind of the the next uh, you know hated white star at Duke for sure. Um, but he's also you know a pretty a pretty darn good player, a guy who is probably going to be a first round pick if he decides to come out. Um, mm-hmm. Even though there's I know there's been some speculation he might stick around, but. Um, if he does enter the draft, you know what can what can NBA fans expect to see from from a guy like him? Yeah, you said it. it is, he's he's a great shooter. You know, he's he's shooting just under fifty percent uh, from the floor for the season, and he can just take control of the game um, 
tripping aside, you know, he has that bad habit <laughs> where he went through those couple <laughs> yes, stretches of games where he, he likes to trip people up, but um, he is a really consistent shooter. It's it's pretty obvious that Coach K, he was the one that Coach K leaned on this season when he was trying to pull together a young team. But um, he's also just such an emotional player. I know he's got that reputation for being kind of the next hated guy, but he's so fiery on the court. And we saw when he when they um, lost in the ACC tournament that he was just kind of beside himself on the sidelines and and not in a good place. So I wouldn't be surprised if he came back. It certainly seems like he feels like he has unfinished business, but also uh, you never know down there at Duke. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, and, and like you said, given some of the stuff that some of the temperamental stuff he's had, the tripping, um, it, it might not be the worst thing um, if he did come back and maybe, yeah, for maybe him to spend another year. Yeah. It might not be the the worst move. Um, the one other guy besides Ingram, that's a lottery pick in, in uh, at least projected by by Jonathan Givney over Draft Express, um, is Demetrius Jackson, uh, mm-hmm. the, the point guard from Notre Dame, who I actually get to see this week in Brooklyn. Um, when I'm covering the okay. regional here, but what um, you know, he's 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 kind of been a, a focal point for a couple of years now for the Fighting Irish. But what uh, you know, what what can people learn about him? Yeah, so he's another one of those those leaders that Notre Dame looks to to get them through kind of tough times. I remember when he was named um, the ACC Player of the Week, I want to say back in mid-February, he had just averaged 22 points um, over two games in a win. I think it was against it was against uh, then 13 Louisville and Clemson. So two big games for Notre Dame. I hadn't seen them in a while. They actually were Virginia's um, ACC opener in Charlottesville, so it had been a long time, but I remember he had 18 points in that game and was a, a huge force, just one of those guys who really takes command of the game from early on. It's kind of like uh, Virginia's point guard. He's just so comfortable in that role, and um, he can do a lot for Notre Dame. What um, One guy that, that's gotten a lot of attention for his play all season long is uh, is Bryce Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. He's a first team All American, uh, you know, star big guy for North Carolina. Um, he's another guy that's projected to be somewhere towards the end of the first round. Um, maybe a guy that could step in, maybe and contribute next season um, for an NBA team. But what uh, you know, in North Carolina, a team that that many people think can win the whole tournament, Bryce Johnson will be a big reason why. So, um, you know, what what can what what uh, from getting a chance to see him, and I know. You've seen him a lot lately. They've played Virginia yeah. <laughs> a couple times. What um, you know? What can people learn about Bryce and uh, and his game? Yeah, I think one of the one of the things I certainly notice more about him and and that North Carolina team that, that uses their bigs so efficiently and just kind of swings their their big players around and um, can really dominate court action that way. Is he's so great on the boards? He leads the ACC um, in defensive rebounds, and he just has that that presence. He was up against. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, again, the senior from Virginia, picked as the co-player um, of the year for the ACC. He ended losing out to Brogdon, but he's just one of those guys that uh, can change the course of a game, really. And, and I know that's like, it's a weird, intangible thing, but he's he had a chip on his shoulder at ACC Media Days. He was saying, you know, we're kind of undercounted this year. They're saying that North Carolina doesn't really have that big that big figure, that star figure, and he really wanted to see that. So he went out there and uh, shot lights out. He led the ACC in field goal percentage all all season and was uh, just a force to be reckoned with. Also stepped up when they're um, one of the best three-point shooters in North Carolina history. Marcus Page had a, a really awful slump um, for most of the season, and Bryce Johnson kind of stepped up and filled in that role for North Carolina too. So he's definitely comfortable in that leadership position. Um, and then there's a couple guys uh, towards the the latter half of the second round, a pair of seniors, also from 
um, from teams in the tournament. Uh, Sheldon mm-hmm. McClellan from Miami. And right. Michael Jabinajay, I think is his name, from uh, Binijay, yeah. From Syracuse. A couple, mm-hmm. couple, you know, kind of two, three guys. Um, you know, McClellan 6'5", Jabinajay 6'7". Um, you know, everybody in the NBA is trying to find wings right now. So, right. Um, you know, what what are the skill sets for both of those guys? Yeah, so um, Binijay, I remember when they came to um, Charlottesville and, and lost to Virginia there. He was one of those players that, again, that Syracuse was leading on. And he's an older guy, too. He um, uh, transferred from Duke and then came to play a couple of years at Syracuse. So he's he's been around college basketball for a while. He's kind of one of those leaders. We call this the it's kind of the year of the senior. Everybody seems old all of a sudden in college basketball. But um, like you said, he's good for them on the perimeter. Um, one of those guys who's been in the system and been able to work with a bunch of different kids who've kind of rolled through that program when it's gone through some tough times. But um, yeah, he's averaging good points. That's the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hold on, I'm looking up the stats. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's, he's leading with 17-8. So yeah, he's right up there with the top of the um, the top, the best shooters in the ACC. Um, that's what 17.8 points per game will get you again one of the more efficient guys and kind of just a leader it's like I feel like in, in the ACC especially there's a couple of those guys who are separating themselves people like Jackson people like Brandon Ingram and then there's the rest of the guys who can be described yep good solid shooters good veterans probably will add things to NBA teams you know like right Right. Well, I, the guy I wanted to get to last was the guy on the team you cover, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, then yeah. you can kind of just transition to Virginia as a whole going into the tournament. Um, you know, Brogdon's another guy, senior, uh, has all the intangibles that you want. Um, yeah. It's a borderline, another borderline first round pick, another wing. Uh, for, you know, for uh, for all the NBA teams looking for wings right now. Um, kind of, if you could, kind of break down what people can expect from uh, from him when he comes into the league next season. Yeah, that's, you, you kind of hit right on it there when you said the intangibles. That's kind of the first thing that everybody goes to for Malcolm Brogdon. Um, you talk about leaders in the ACC, and that guy, top to bottom, he's, he's been in, in Tony Bennett's program there at Virginia for five years now. He's getting his master's, uh, master's degree, but he's just the, one of the most coachable players. You hear all, He was like the toast of the ACC at the tournament here in D.C. over the weekend. You had coaches just raving over him about how complete he is from top to bottom. He won ACC Player of the Year and uh, Defensive Player of the Year, which is actually the first time that's ever happened since they started awarding the Defensive Player of the Year honor in 2005. So he's up and down the court. Coaches are in love with him. He's averaging just north of 18 points per game. Again, one of the best shooters in the ACC. But um, he's he's almost a little bit underrated just because he is he has such a such a staid personality. We always make fun of him because it's, it's rare to see him smile. He's not that big electrifying character, but um, he'll get the job done and, and coaches certainly appreciate that about him. And then if, if you could, you know, let's just, let's talk about the tournament just for a couple minutes. Um, let's talk about it. As I you, can. as you, uh, as, as you kind of look at the field and look at these ACC teams, um, mm-hmm. you know, beginning with the team, you, you spend the most time with Virginia. Um, how do you, how do you see them, them faring in the tournament? And, uh, you know, as far as people filling out brackets, you know, maybe which of these teams should they try to ride and what should they you know maybe stay away from sure um the scene that leaps to mind when when you say which who who should people stay away from might be notre dame actually um without zach august it's 
really easy to score to to post up on Notre Dame and kind of score in the paint. Um, we were watching the the North Carolina game where they just at, over the weekend at the ACC tournament, and um, without their big Zach August in there, it's 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 easy to walk all over them. So obviously they had good wins this season, but I don't know how far they're going to make it in the tournament without um, any help down low. But I think the best in the league has to be North Carolina. When they're when they're rolling, they're totally unstoppable. And we saw they ran over Virginia's defense when Virginia kind of um, hit a shooting slump in the ACC championship. North Carolina beat Virginia for the ACC title this year. But uh, when Marcus Page is hitting three-pointers, when Bryce Johnson is doing pretty much everything else, it's and like I said, they they have those bigs that are just so forceful and and just kind of there in your face and like trees. It's hard to move around them at all, but they can shut teams down like it's nothing. It's an, it's incredible to see, and they've also got um, a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. They Marcus Page, um, their senior, before the title game, actually I heard him say on the sidelines, "Let's start the revenge tour." They had a couple of losses this season, so. They're definitely out for blood in the tournament, and Roy Williams knows how to win. So, so it sounds like you might have them as your national champs, North Carolina. Uh, I don't know about national champs, but certainly best in the ACC, and they're going to go far, and it's going to be really fun to watch them the entire way. And then, what about what about the team that you cover? Where do you where do you have them? So Virginia, they got the number one seed in the Midwest region, and and their problem is um, they're good. They're a team that's built to go so far in this tournament. They, they had a couple of bad losses on the road in January and have, and have bounced back. They really kind of scraped their way back to the top of the ACC. They're feeling confident. They're shooting well. Their defense, of course, um, heralded as the best defense in the country. And then they got Michigan State in their bracket as the number two in the Midwest region. And Michigan State's knocked them out of the tournament for the past two years. So can't imagine that uh, Virginia coach Tony Bennett was happy about that one. Um, they're... They're built to last a long time, but they just need they just need a couple breaks, and they need to they need to push past Michigan State. That um, obviously they say it's not on their mind yet. They're not looking forward, but I know it's I know it's in the back of all their minds. So so, what's the moment of truth? Do they beat Michigan State this year or not? I think this year is the year. They're they're as confident as they're ever going to be, and uh, they've had a couple of really big wins. They beat North Carolina at home. They beat Louisville at home. I think this year might be the year, even, even though Denzel Valentine's going to give them a run for their money. So, so who is your final four then? And who is your champion? It sounds like, it sounds like you've got Virginia and North Carolina, at least in the final four. I feel comfortable with that. I haven't picked a final four yet. I haven't really sat down with my brackets and, and massaged it. my picks yet, but you I didn't still have think to pick Oklahoma- them for Monday's paper. Like I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. I avoided that email. Oh, Don't put me on blast on the podcast. Well, well, I just assumed you had to make a choice because I did, and I figured that they made you do it too. But that's... Well, who are your picks? I picked uh, Kansas, mm-hmm. North Carolina, Michigan State, and Oklahoma. Oh, you, you went with Sparty. Okay. I did. I, I picked mm-hmm. them. I think they're going to beat Virginia again. Um, okay. And then uh, I had Kansas beating North Carolina in the championship game. I would say you're probably not too far off base. I'm comfortable with that. Well, I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're. I'm glad you're back in my picks, uh, Ava. That's uh, right, endorsed. Well, I appreciate that. Let me let you get to uh, to watching The Bachelor. Thank you for I'll coming on the updated. pod. Please do. Mm-hmm. Um, for for the people for the people listening, uh, where can they find your uh, your great work on Twitter and uh, and plug some stuff before you go. Plug some stuff. Oh boy. Okay. We got a lot of good stuff coming up. Um, have to talk about Virginia's seniors. I'll be having a feature on them 
uh, later this week. They're again, one of those veteran groups that I keep talking about, but they're really good. They're like one of Virginia's um, most successful classes. They're kind of closing out this amazing span of growth that Tony Bennett's led down there at Virginia. So keep an eye on that. If you want to, if you want to learn how, I guess, kind of the gears that makes Virginia work, it's their senior class. So you can find that obviously at the Washington Post and all of my stuff is on Twitter at Ava R. Wallace. Super. There you go. You should definitely yeah. follow Ava's stuff. She's terrific. Ava, thank you for the time, and uh, and good luck traveling down to Raleigh once again this week. Thank you. Good times. Talk to you later. All right. Next up is Gene Wong, proud Georgetown uh, graduate, and uh, my colleague at the Washington Post does a great job covering uh, Georgetown, and and really is kind of a jack of all trades on all the colleges. You got you just got done doing. Uh, Selection Monday for Maryland's women's team, right, Gino? That's right, and don't forget about GW men, too. So, yeah, all over the place. Saw them in the A-10 tournament. That's right. Sorry, yeah. about, sorry about your body. Sorry about your body. I appreciate it, man. It was a, <laughs> it was a rough day yesterday, but but it's all right. We got the we got the top overall seed in uh, in the NIT, and hopefully we can uh, we can win a few games and get to Madison Square Garden. That would be a fun... As you build from there, that's right. That's, that's right. right. It'd be a fun thing in a couple weeks. So, yeah. but, but let's get to more pressing news right now. Um, yep. it obviously is a, you cover James, uh, Georgetown for us, um, all season long. And, and so you got a chance to see, um, all these guys from the big East, uh, across yep. the year. Um, sure. let, let's start with, uh, let's start with the kind of the biggest name guy in the league, Chris Dunn, um, yeah. junior from Providence, um, guy that could have came out last year. Um, I actually saw yep. him play, uh, working on my old job in Columbus last year in the regional, really liked him a lot. Um, as an NBA guy, I was kind of hoping he would come out, but he he probably made a smart move to stay in. He's now a top five pick. Um, yeah. You know, for 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 fans for fans that maybe I've got a chance to see Providence play at, you know what you know what can they expect to see from this guy? Well, the first thing that stands out with this guy is he can defend. I mean, this guy's had four games with seven steals. I mean, he's he's just all over the place, he's lightning quick. I, I tell you what, he really reminds me of John Wall at this stage in his career. I mean. He's a legitimate six four point guard. Obviously, has an incredible handle. He's 22, so he's mature. So you could probably make the transition to the NBA. I'd say fairly seamlessly. Um, and he's just a character kid. That's the thing. I mean, he's not going to do anything off the court that's going to get you in trouble. We know how important that is now in the, in the in the pros. You know, they do all this evaluation for off the court, off the field stuff. And he's just a, a great, great kid. And yeah, he can score the ball. There's no question. Um, and, but he's going to be a pass first point guard, much like John Wall. You need him to get 20, he could probably go do it for you. But that's not where his preference is. And he's just a great teammate to have. You ask anyone on, on Providence, you ask Ed Cooley, the coach. I mean, they'll tell you he's the greatest teammate anyone could have. And that's what you want from a point guard. You want your point guard to be the best teammate in your locker room. Yeah, no no question. And, I mean, you mentioned John Wall. That's interesting. And I can see where you're coming from with that. When I've seen him play, the guy that he reminded me of, especially last year when I watched him, was Dwayne Wade. He's even kind of the yeah. same size. I mean, do you see some of that, too, kind of a, a rangy guy that can maybe play both spots in the backcourt? Yeah, I mean, I also see, you know, how many big shots has Dwayne, Dwayne Wade hit in his career? Right. Same thing with he's hit so, so many big shots for Brock. I mean, he's the point guard. He's not even a leading scorer. Ben Bentelis, who also, by the way, is, I think it'd be a future NBA prospect, but Chris Dunn is the guy that they want the ball in his hands whenever there's a big shot to be taken, whenever they need a, a play to be made. Defensively, they'll also lock down your best, your best, your best scoring guard. Okay, and then when the game's on the line and you need a bucket or you need to get, need to get the line, that's the guy that's going to do it because he's so experienced, he's so savvy. I mean, he has a game I think Taylor made right now for the NBA. Well, right, and and I wanted to ask you about Ben Benzel because he just had a huge game the other day. Um, yeah. you know, he's a kid. I mean, he's even scoring more points than 
uh, than Chris Dunn and Providence, which I think a lot of people wouldn't wouldn't necessarily expect just from just from you know seeing their names. What um, what can you tell people about him as a guy maybe that well, they wouldn't he, even he, know about? Well, to me, the most improved player in the country, I think. I mean, there may be a few other candidates you could throw in there. Isaiah Miles at St. Joe's, another one. But um, yeah, Ben Bensel is six ten. He can play. He needs to get more range. If he wants to be a stretch four in the association, he's got to he's got to be able to step out a little bit more and maybe make a, a three every now and then. But right now in the college level, he's so raw. I mean, he's only a sophomore. He went from averaging basically like five points a game to like you know thirty points a game this season. So right. clearly, he's, he clearly he's learned something, and he's got his, his, he's so tough to defend down low. He's so powerful, and he can make he has a mid range game too. He just needs to I think get more, to extend that maybe close to the three point arc to be really legitimately considered in the NBA, but I mean, he has all the tools, no question. And he's going to uh, be a product at least one more year. Yeah. I was so going to say, very, I was going to yeah, say, he's a guy for people to know about for next season, I would say. Yeah, no, absolutely. And he's definitely, I mean, he may be, he may go into the season next year as the biggest preseason player of the year, assuming guys like Allison goes. So, but yeah, I mean, he's, he's, He's real. It's up, the upside, as they say, is tremendous. Now, one guy that had a huge week on um, this past week and and may have put himself into uh, into draft consideration is is Isaiah Whitehead. Um, you know, I don't know exactly where he sits right now in the draft, but he he was a, a huge reason why Seton Hall kind of you know stunned everybody and won the Big East tournament this week at the Garden. Um, you know, another one of these these wing players that everybody in the NBA is trying to find right now. Um, you know what? What? What were your thoughts on him both this week and uh, as you saw him throughout the year? It, he, he really can get to the rim. I mean, that's what I love about him. I mean, he's six four, um, but he plays a lot uh, taller than that. If that makes sense. I mean, he, he loves to get to the rim. He loves to draw contact. So again, something that works in the NBA. I, mean, I don't know if if he can be a true wing in the NBA because of his size. But there's for guys like that, there's got to be a place for him because he's so hard nosed. Um, he'll go 40 minutes. I mean, that's the cliche, but it's true. I've seen him play a bunch of times in his career. I mean, he's only a sophomore, but I mean, Kevin Willie, you asked him about Isaiah Whitehead, and and he said that he said, you know, if the NBA doesn't have a place for him, I mean, he doesn't. <laughs> he's just throwing his hands up in the air because this kid is really he, he can get to the basket. That's to me the one thing that stands out for me about him. And he also, like Chris Dunn, is going to take the last shot. He's not afraid. He wants to do that. He embraces that role. And you have to have that kind of, I think, killer instinct if you want to be in the end or have to be strive. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, what, what did you, what did you make of that Seton Hall team? I mean, they're, they're a group that, you know, coming into this tournament, you know, they might be a team that's looked at as a possible, you know, a team that could maybe, you know, win a couple games, uh, playing Utah a team. A lot of people out here on the East coast haven't seen maybe in the second round, if they can get by Gonzaga, um, you know, what, what do you think of the hall and, and are they a team that's maybe built to win a couple games this week? Well, if you can win the Big East tournament, you can you can win the national championship. In my estimation, I mean, you know, the Big East has five teams in the tournament. Xavier is obviously they were at one point playing for a number one seed. Villanova obviously was also playing for a number one seed. So, so just a powerful, it's a really really good conference. And seeing how won the tournament, and they're peaking at the right time. I mean, and they got. I mean, it really is amazing to think about that. They have five sophomores who start. And they all look, and they all play like seniors. I mean, they all have completely bought into what Willard, Willard, by the way, Willard, the biggest coach of the year. They've completely bought into what he's teaching them. And it's really a team concept. I mean, it's not one player more important than the other. I mean, yeah, they, they got some stars. Kadeem Karen, fantastic player. No, no question. 
Andrew Rodriguez, another fantastic player. But he's got all big size five guys. You can do almost everything. That's what makes him, to me, such a difficult matchup because you can't say, oh, we're going to take away the inside and then force him to shoot out from the outside. They can do that. They also can drive by. They can get to the rim. I mean, they have five players who are all basketball players. I think, you know, you know, we talked a lot about positions, who's a one, who's a two, who's a three. All these guys just love to can play the game. And that's what makes them so difficult to me to match up against. Yeah, no, no question at all. I mean, they they were they were fun to watch this week. I mean, the Hall hasn't won the Big East tournament since PJ was coaching the team over twenty years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was a great run for them. It was just fun to see. I mean, it was just a great atmosphere, obviously, in, in New York City. So, I mean, yeah, they're they're definitely a team I, I have circled in 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 the in the big bracket in the big dance. Now they, what? they can go. No, they can go far. Yes, they can. They can I wanted far. I wanted to I want to get to your bracket in a second, but before before yeah. we do, um one guy who's not in the tournament who I think is destined to go into the draft is um is Henry Ellenson, uh the sure. the six ten power forward from Marquette, uh freshman. Um, you know, he's been a kind of a, a lock in the top ten uh for, for draft prospects all season going all the way back to November when I saw him play against Ben Simmons at L S U. Um, at, at, in Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of people would probably be surprised uh, to see Ellenson. He's a, you know, he's just, to, to be honest, he's a 6'10 white guy. Um, and, I, I, and I think, you know, I think, I think it's fair to say that a lot of regular fans might see his picture and be surprised he's a top 10 prospect. So, yeah. um, you know, what, what do NBA fans or what do NBA uh, scouts see in him that have him rated so high and have had him there all season long? Well, it's you know the NBA now is is only where you need shooters, right? That's clearly clearly what what it's, what what it's becoming. And Ellison is a flat out shooter, and he's also long. He's six legit six ten, about two forty. I mean, so he has the NBA size. He can really he'll be a stretch four in the NBA, no question about it. I mean, he has the range. He'll bury threes consistently. I mean, I don't think we saw his full potential in college because that's just how the college game works. You know, I mean, you know, guys aren't scoring forty points a game and hit ten threes, but. This guy has all the raw ability to do that. And I've seen him. I mean, I've seen him hit eight, seven threes in a game. I mean, he really is such a difficult guard for that reason. Because he can post you up, certainly. But he'll step out and make, you know, this is not to say he's going to be this player. But I think Dirk Nowitzki is the first thing that comes to mind. So a true big man with length who can really hit the three and is an impossible matchup. Are you leaving your job to go be Henry's agent? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen him play. I've seen him. Just, hey, I've, I've seen, seen him play I, too. I, I, That's just high praise saying you remind you of Dirk, you know, Gino. That, again, I'm not saying he's going to be Dirk. I'm just saying right. the, person, the kind of way he plays the game reminds me of that. Sure. Now, sure. To me, the point guard is the most important position. I like Chris Dunn. If I, if I were an NBA GM, I'd like to do If I needed a point player sure. to shoot between those two, I want Dunn. But Ellison, I mean, he can give you so much. He can play, he can play you know, four positions. So he'll play. He'll play every forward position. If he can play center, if he needed to, he'll step out. If you want to go small, I mean, he's just—he's so versatile. No, that's that's uh, that's a good that's a good rundown on him. Now, now let's yeah. let's run through these biggest teams real quick before we get to your your bracket predictions. Um, you know, you mentioned Xavier. Let's start with them. Uh, two seed yeah. in the East. They're starting out in St. Louis. Um, this is the, you know that's one of the, consistently been one of the best programs in the country for years now, going back to when they're in the Atlantic Ten. Um, yep. You know what? What could pe- if people are thinking about trying to ride the Musketeers deep into their bracket? What? Uh, what? What are they going to be looking Thanks for? Everything, my good friend. You know, they are the only team last year in the Big East to advance out of the first weekend. So, I mean, they're they're they basically have, they have the tracker. They carried the mantle of the Big East last year. Last year, the Big East got in six teams. They all flamed out. Villanova being the top one, they completely flamed out. So, Xavier has the experience. They certainly have the experience. 
Um, and also a great coach. It, it was funny. We talked about Kevin Will winning Big East Coach of the Year along with Jay Wright. Well, that was the right the, when the Basketball Writers Association gave their vote for Coach of the Year. It was it was it was uh, Chris Mack as Xavier. So I thought that was that was kind of interesting. But he can coach Tech out of a basketball game, and I I like their bracket. I mean, I don't. They can be. They should beat Wisconsin or Pittsburgh. Whoever whoever wins that game. I mean, they're to me as probably to me a bigger threat than Villanova, which is which finished first in the Big East because Villanova has not shown they can advance far and so become. They just have that. That's the elephant in the room. Is Villanova ever going to get to another Final Four? Yeah. No. That's that's very true. That's very true. Um, what I'm going to see Villanova this week, um, actually in Brooklyn, where I'm covering this regional. Um, yeah, sure. And th- sure. this is a team that that kind of perennially it feels like underachieves in the tournament. They come in, they have a lot of fanfare. <laughs> they usually, like this year, have four guards that can all play um, for Jay yeah. Wright, and then they just they just don't get it done. Um, you know, you, we we already talked about how Seton Hall beat them the other night, maybe kept them from being a one seed. Um, what do we think of Villanova, and is this gonna, this is a different year for them in terms of? You know, can they can they make the run this year that they haven't been able to in the past? It's it's just a mystery. I, you got to believe that it's between the years. You know, when they think that something goes wrong in the NCAA tournament, the first game or second game they're in, they're like, oh no, here we go again. I just, it's, it's a mental hurdle because the physical talent is definitely there. And I've always seen this Villanova team, but a particular interest to me, being a Washington D.C. native, they have two guys from the D.C. area: Josh Hart, who's just a fantastic player, can get six six guard, can get a wing player. He'll be a wing player if he gets to the next level. I mean, he certainly is, is a good in transition as any player in the country. There's no doubt about that. And then Chris Jenkins, uh, a six, a, he's six seven forward. So I don't know where he would fit in. He's not the, the greatest shooter. He, he has range, there's no question. But um, I don't know where he fit in the next level. But he's also a decent native. And the interesting about him is he wanted to go to Georgetown, but Georgetown uh, they weren't that sure. So they looked elsewhere. Now he burns Georgetown every time they play him. He's from Upper Marlboro, Maryland. So. Yeah, good kid. I mean, this roster is loaded. This is, I mean, that's just what this Jay Wright does. He gets great, great players. Ryan Archiak, and one of those guys, like he'll be 40 years old at the YMCA and beating everybody. That's the kind of game he has, you know. He has that Andre Miller kind of game. I mean, he's so sneaky, very sneaky, but he just gets it. He's a, and he's a winner. And the guys like one more game that build up and end of the player. We know the tradition of that program. So they're loaded. It's just a matter of getting over that mental hurdle of. Uh, if something starts going wrong on a raveling the tournament, that just you got to get together and not think gloom and doom. Right. But that's 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 where I see that. Right. I, mean, so, I see him as definitely a final four contender and elite eight for certain. And Jay Wright. The thing about I love about Jay Wright is he doesn't dodge the question. I mean, we we asked him about it in the Big East tournament. He said, "Yeah, that's the elephant." We know that. We know we let down the Big East. That was his first thing he said. We let down the Big East last year. So he's not, they don't shy away from it, which to me is healthy. Yeah, Jay Jay is one of the just one of the all time good guys um, from, hey, from a media standpoint among the coaches. He's really terrific. Now, uh, before we get to your picks, uh, the final two Big East teams. You know, we touched on Providence a little bit earlier with Bentel and Dunn, but uh, Providence yeah. is a nine in the Raleigh region with UNC. Uh, Butler also a nine in Raleigh. Uh, they potentially could play UVA in the the second round. Um, you know, we you, you, we touched on Dunn and Bento, but if you could you could run through Providence quick, and then if you could give people, you know, a, some idea about Butler. Um, obviously, a team that people know about from the past with Brad Stevens, but you know, he's off to the NBA, and it's a little different look there now. Yeah, I mean, uh, quickly, just the reason I like Providence is because, like I said earlier, they have the best point guard in the country, and that just makes such a big big difference to me in, 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 in the tournament. But 
beyond that, I mean, they have they have other guys who can get it done. Rodney Bullock, fantastic player. Um, Kyron Cartwright, he hits uh, he, against Georgetown. He basically shot that won the game for for them against Georgetown. Junior Lamamba, another, I mean, six six wing player can get to the rim. I mean, so again, they have a deep roster. It's probably not as deep as as maybe Xavier's or or, or Villanova's, but and they rely so much on on Chris Dunn, which is fine. But I mean, this is a team that I I say this week sixteen level team. I mean, that's when you have when you have the best point guard of the country and arguably the best score in the Big East together. I mean, there's no reason why you shouldn't get to the, the Sweet Sixteen. Now, as for Butler. They have maybe my favorite player in the Big East in Roosevelt Jones. I don't know if you've ever seen that guy play. He also is like RGD Nakano. And that, like, you, you look at this guy and wonder how, how did he get to the list? How did he score? He, <laughs> yeah, he never I makes a I mean, he, he, he averages five, six boards, five assists. The guy looks nothing like a true point guard. I mean, he has like a linebacker's body or a fullback's body, but he, and you don't think he would do anything gracefully, but he does. But then he has the size to get to the rim. I mean, he, he's, he's this intriguing, intriguing player. Um, and Kellen Dunham can shoot three pointers with anyone in the country. I mean, the guy can just flat out shoot like Jimmy Chitwood three pointer. I mean, right. he, just, he can fill it. He can fill it up from wherever. So they have a punch his chance, and, and it's as every game because if those guys, if, if Dunham's hitting, and Andrew Strabez is another matchup problem because he can shoot threes in the center. I mean, he's an undersized center, but he, when he put, plays the five, he's going to pull you out to the three point line, and it's difficult to guard him from there. So yeah, I mean, they got a punch his chance in every round, certainly to the Sweet Sixteen. So, so just to be clear, do you have either Providence or Butler? Um, Butler plays Texas Tech. Providence plays USC on the first round. Do you have either Providence getting past UNC or Butler getting past UVA in your brackets? No, I okay. don't. I don't. I have, well, if, uh, UNC is one of my, my national championship picks, so we'll get to that in a bit. Yeah, so I just I, wanted I to make sure. I just wanted to make, because you said they both could, so I just wanted to make sure you didn't. They could, I you, could, could. That's the key word. Not will. That's a different right. Question. No, you I know. I know you've got one, I know you've got one bomb pick, so. I do. Uh, so, I do. So let's get to that now. So, um, so run, run through your final four and then, and then your, your championship game and your champion. And then we'll go through. Well, I like UNC and Michigan State on one side of the bracket, and I like, um, Maryland. And here's the bomb, St. Joe's. Well, Maryland's kind of a bomb too. Wait a minute. So you've got Maryland. No, I don't listen. Well, I mean, you got them beating. You got them beating. You got them beating Kansas. I mean, that I, I do. I have I do. Kansas win the title, so I would I would well, consider that a bomb. So, but I mean, Maryland's very good though. Since we're talking, since we talk NBA too, though, to me, they have the most NBA talent. They got now, a lot of talent. And I, I look inside as a factor. I mean, Melitor obviously is going to keep his eyes to go. It's going to be in the, in the NBA. Robert Carter sick around the rim. He can shoot the three. I mean, he's a, a, a perfect NBA guy, too. He, yep. he can get it done inside, outside, mid-range, obviously. Diamond Stone was thinking about going to the NBA last year, but went to Maryland. Who knows if he's going to stay? I mean, so they are loaded with talent. And if they play defense, the way they against Michigan State, they're going to be really tough out. Yeah, I they mean, will. They got, Diamond mean, Stone has been great for weeks, too. He's really turned it on the second half of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, was, I got a little worried about them toward the end of the season, but the way they played against Michigan State, Showed me that I mean this team certainly yeah they can do it because they have so much talent and all they need to do is play defense. I love St. Joe's because again, yeah, I, mean, I stepped on that pick a little bit. I didn't. I apologize, but you have a number eight seed St. Joe's, the yeah, ten right. tournament I, champion I mean, in in I, the I, in the I, final four. Right. I look DeAndre Fembry to me is is I, I just love his game too. I mean he's yeah. Walk he's through a, him quick. DeAndre Fembry's yeah. another six seven rangy wing type. Uh, he's a guy that's probably right now borderline first round pick. He's a junior. Right. He's the A ten player he's of the only year. A junior, so right. Yeah. I mean he, he he's 
again, a, a winner, he has the intangibles. And that's, I mean, to me, so important. You can have all the physical tools. How many guys that we see in any sport, especially, have all the physical tools, but don't have it between the years, don't have that kill, they don't have the winner's mentality. He has all that, clearly. I mean, he's he dropped 30 on VCU, and we know how good that defense is. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Okay? In, in the title game, he dropped 30 on, on Richard Commonwealth. So, and then the other guy I love on, on St. Joe's, Isaiah Miles. As I said earlier, maybe the second most improved player in the country behind Ben Bentel. I mean, a guy who another stretch four. I mean, he'll he'll he can hit the three. That's the biggest development in the game. He's moved. He's gotten a range. He's gotten the range. And but his preference is to post up and, and score down well. But he'll take the three point shot if you leave him open, or if he even has a small crease. I mean, he he can make that shot. And again, that's why I, it's, it's all about matchups in the NCAA tournament. It's all about matchups in pretty much any sport. But they're a difficult team to guard because you you, you're, you have a traditional five. He's not going to be tough for him to, to stay in front of him. Isaiah Miles will get right by you. And if you have a smaller, undersized five, I mean, he's going to post you up and get his stuff down low. So, that's, I mean, I have to pick one low, high seed to advance far. I do it every year. Well, there, my, well, there you I, go. <laughs> You're giving people, you, listen, you gave the people some big news here, Gene. Right, I, yeah, exactly. So, um, so who did you Carolina have in the championship State. game, and then who do you have winning? I have Carolina. I mean, they, they're... When Marcus Page is right, there's no better team in the country. Top right. to bottom, you know, Bryce Johnson. They just got so many guys, you know. So Carolina buried. over Maryland? Yeah, yeah. No, no, Carolina. Yeah, Carolina over Maryland. Excuse me, Carolina over Maryland. That would be, I, I that, that would be fun. Wouldn't that be fun? I mean, that would be like fun. A, like a personal, like, D.C. kind of ACC old school fan pick. But, you know, who knows? It's, it's, it's all crash, especially this year. I mean, look how wide open the field is. I mean, yeah, it's really you know, like a, a dozen bubble, there, there are a dozen bubble feet that you can argue should be in. I mean, there's no – to me, UNC is a clear-cut best team if Marcus Page has broken that slump. It's only been two games. He's looked much better. But if not, then anyone's game. Yeah, no, it, it should be fun. Yeah. So, Gino, yeah. let me uh, let me let you get back to, to, to going along with your week. Are you um are, are you heading anywhere this week? No, I'm staying in College Park. The Bell women are here on Saturday. Oh, that's right. And, You're staying with the and women. Monday and then – but then, yeah, but then afterward, if they win, they go to Lexington, Kentucky, one of my favorite places. Well, there you, know, you go. You, you, you know that Kentucky is the home of bourbon, my friend. I, so. I do. I do. <laughs> my, my, colleague, my colleague Gino is a big bourbon fan. So I, when you, as soon as you said you're going to Lexington, I knew why you were happy. So yeah, enjoy, uh, enjoy that trip, Gino. And uh, thanks, do, as, thanks, as always, for the, for the time and the info, man. It's much appreciated. You got it, brother. My oh, brother. actually, before you go, Gino, um, just just give uh, let people know where they can find you on Twitter, and uh, and yeah. I'm sure you've written some some stuff you want to plug lately. So um, so so give some give some links out to stuff you want people to read. Yeah, right. Um, um, Twitter, you can find me at, at Gene underscore Wong. That's W A N G G E N E G E N E underscore W A N G. And tomorrow, you know, got a story about actually Mike Lonergan, GW coach. Rutgers has an interest in him, but. People close to Mike have told me that he doesn't want to leave the doesn't want to leave GW. He just wants more resources, which is interesting to me because Eddie Jordan was making about a million two or something at, at, at Rutgers, which is you know roughly twice as much as Mike Lager's making at GW. But I think Mike likes it where he is. He's from DC area. He's, his family's here. He has so many ties to the area, and GW is just a, a really good fit for his style of coaching and the kind of player he wants. So that's that's the story I've been working on. In addition to the men and women being the number two seed in the women's tournament. So that's what I got for you tomorrow. Good. They even I got the we even got some nuggets on Rutgers. I like it, Gino. Nice. That's right. That's right. Thank, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate the time. No, it's busy.
All right, so number uh, number three on our on our list of uh, post bracket experts, uh, Roman Stubbs, outstanding Maryland beat writer, um, joining us now on the podcast. Uh, Roman, I know it's a crazy couple days um, between finding out last night uh, where you're going to be going, and now you're getting ready to go to Spokane with the Terps. So so thanks for taking a few minutes to talk to me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure, man. Appreciate you having me. So the Big Ten, um, I, I think it's fair to say, got a little disrespected, right, in the bracket this year. I mean, Michigan State didn't get a one seed. Um, I thought Maryland maybe got a little unlucky with a five. Indiana had a five. Purdue had a five. Um, it, you know, it just seemed like the conference as a whole didn't quite get the respect it, it maybe deserved. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, and it, it was kind of a weird year, I guess. Um, you know, everybody knew Michigan State. It's probably the team to beat, but obviously Indiana wins the regular season title. Um, you know, they were never going to be seated ahead of Michigan State, um, you know, barring something crazy happening in the Big Ten tournament. But, you know, they lose on the first day. and um, You know, everybody thought, you know, well, Michigan State um, is definitely going to be on that one line. Um, but then they, you know, they, they obviously – you know, win the Big Ten tournament, but they, um, you know, they didn't they didn't blow Purdue out by any means, um, and and so you guys wonder if that had something to do with it. I think Oregon, at the end of the day, just it's you know did so much at the end of the year. It's so hard to keep them out, um, and with you know with the way things set up, I think you know with them being a two, Michigan State it kind of pushed everybody back. A spot. I, I I heard Mark Turgeon yesterday say um, the Maryland coach say, you know, well we we were pretty pretty convinced we were going to be a, a four, and then obviously with Michigan State falling, it kind of just it pushed everybody back. Um, and um, you know, I think <clears throat> the conference has to be obviously uh, encouraged that they got you know seven bids, but I think. At the end of the day, the seedings were pretty hard. You look at the locations and, and everything like that. And yeah, it did seem like, uh, you know, there wasn't a lot of respect, um, uh, given by the committee in, in relation to maybe some other, um, conferences or, uh, other groupings of teams. So, um, yeah, I think it's just now an opportunity for these teams. Um, you know, obviously I think Michigan State will be there at the end. Um, you know, I think they're really, really good. But other than that, uh, it's hard to tell if any of these teams are going to make any noise, um, you know, past the second weekend. So, you know, obviously it's an opportunity now for them all to prove the committee might have made a mistake with some of the seedings and locations. <clears throat> yeah, no, and, and you mentioned Michigan State, and um, let's start with them. You know, obviously I want to try to, you know, give some give people who listen to this podcast maybe more of an NBA uh NBA focus an idea of who they're they're looking at this weekend and um you know everybody kind of knows I think about Denzel Valentine at this point um you know kind of the latest do it all six 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 seven senior for Michigan State but um they have a guy that's ranked even higher than him in Deontay Davis um as a you know a big a young big man who's currently a lottery pick according to Draft Express so um you know you mentioned Michigan State you know I have him in the final four they're obviously going to go deep as they always do but um, you know, if you could kind of, if you could kind of run through those two guys for people and kind of give, you know, maybe NBA fans an idea of what to expect when they watch those two guys play. Yeah, I was, 
you know, I, I was really impressed with Davis. Obviously, Valentine has been so good all year. Um, but starting with Davis, just his athleticism. Um, you know, everybody talks about Diamond uh, Stone and, and how athletic he is and, um, you know, how advanced his offensive game is. But I just thought that the other day, I thought Davis, you, you could make the argument that, you know, against Maryland, he was the most athletic player on the court. Um, you know, defensively, just the way he protects the rim. <clears throat> you know, he had that that play down the stretch. You know, with like three, four minutes left, Maryland had a chance to take the lead, and you know, Stone's shot is rejected, and and he um, kind of was just a microcosm of of Davis's talent. I mean, his his footwork, his instincts. Um, you know, he's he's just such a athletic, athletically gifted player, especially on the defensive end, and. And, um, you know, I think, I think with the way they play, um, you know, maybe his offensive opportunities this year, um, you know, haven't been, you know, fully expanded, but, um, I think he's, he's definitely going to be a great pro. Uh, it seems like his skills really translate to the next level. Um, just his length and athleticism. And then Valentine, yeah, I mean, he's, he's such a crafty player. Um, you know, I, I've seen him in a few mock drafts where he's, you know, he's maybe right outside the lottery, but, um, you know, if he has a great tournament, I mean, he could, you know, he could conceivably be in that, I don't know, 10 to 20 range, maybe 10 to 15 range. Um, but yeah, he just, he does everything. He's, he's, he's just so intelligent. I think he's probably forced to be that, uh, in his own system, uh, with his shot selections and just how he pushes the ball. Um, but, you know, looking at what he does, passing and, and, uh, shooting, um, in the big 10 and, and scoring and assists. And then also he's getting, you know, seven, eight boards a game. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible. And, and I think college basketball is, doesn't have as, as he's the most versatile player and obviously in the country and it maybe hasn't seen somebody like him in a while. So, um, yeah, I think he's obviously played himself, um, you know, into a big contract next year and we'll see where those two guys go. But, Definitely, it was a huge fan of Davis. Just watching him is just fun. You know, I think I think he's going to be great. Yeah, that's a real that's a real uh, that's a real sell job by you. I mean, because I, I know I, no no, <laughs> yeah, but right. I'm being serious. I know I know how athletic Diamond Stone is. If you to say that, and and we're going to get to Maryland. I mean, they have, they might have more NBA players than any team in the country. Um, and right. for you to say he might be the most athletic player on the court with uh, you know on the same court as Denzel Valentine and all those Maryland guys is a you know that's pretty high praise. Um, you know, there's a bunch of, of seniors uh, in this conference that are, you know, maybe second-round guys, you know, kind of one guy from each of these different teams. So let me just – let's just kind of bounce through them quick. We'll start with um, with Jared Udoff um, from Iowa. You know, I, I know Iowa, you know, they've kind of gone in the tank lately. Might be a team that, that goes out of the tournament quick, but um, I'm actually going to see them in Brooklyn this week. But, um, you know, Udoff is like a is a, a 6'9 forward, a mid-second-round mid guy, um, you know, what, what, did, what did you see from him when you got a chance to see the Hawkeyes this year? Yeah, he's, he's actually struggled, uh, probably at one of his worst games of the season when they came to college park. Um, you know, Maryland put Lehman on him and, and I don't, I don't know if he had seen that kind of length and athleticism. Obviously Lehman is, is very athletic and he's really developed, I think, defensively. And so, uh, it just kind of struck me, um, you know, obviously Utah's probably been guarded by, 
really good players and, and really athletic players, even in the league. Um, it maybe just kind of struck me that he might struggle a little bit um, with different defensive assignments or what have you. Um, but I think he's, I think he's uh, terrific. I, I um, you know, you can get his own shot. Um, you know, he's, he's physical. He's pretty physical. I mean, he, he can uh, create situations for himself in the post. He rebounds. Um, you know, I think defensively, that's probably where, you know, there's probably the most question marks, but, um, you know, he's a very, uh, I don't know, he's a very fluid player. And, and I think he'd probably be a project at the next level. I'm not sure exactly where his stock is at this moment. I haven't looked. Um, but, um, you know, he's obviously, he has the range and, and he can create in the mid range. And, and I think anybody looking at him, you know, would get a pretty decent uh, value, at least on the offensive end in, in, just the skill set that he has. So um, I like him and, and uh, you know, we'll see with the way they've been skidding, you know, we'll, we'll see if he, you know, he can have a good tournament and maybe help his cause a little bit. You, um, I mean, one guy that we saw a lot last year uh, in the tournament was Nigel Hayes at Wisconsin, um, you know, was one of the kind of the, the leaders of that team along with Sam Decker and uh, Frank Kaminsky who both went to the pros. Hayes came back. He's a junior um, another another six eight six nine forward. Um, he's a junior. I think there's at least a chance he'll come back. Right now, Draft Express has him as a late lottery or a late uh, uh, or early second round pick. I mean, um, so I think there's at least a decent chance he'll come back for a senior year. But um, you know, he's a guy. You know, if he does decide to to test the waters, and if somebody is thinking about maybe trying to, you know, ride some of Wisconsin's you know experience, you know, in the tournament in past years. Um, you know, to maybe get a win or two this weekend, you know, what can they expect to see from Nigel Hayes? From Nigel? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think he, you, you look at what they did, um, that's how much they struggled offensively all year. I think he just really proved that he can carry the load. I mean, he, um, uh, I think last year he kind of had a reputation as a guy who couldn't step out and shoot, who, um, I think we had decent numbers, but I think who, um, you know, maybe we hadn't seen a fully matured offensive game from, but, um, obviously Wisconsin defends really well. He's, he's a great defender and, and, um, you know, I think he'd fit somewhat great on that end, but I think this year he just showed that, um, he could carry a team offensively that he can, um, kind of be a focal point, um, for a team. And, and, you know, obviously he's got a great range. He can, he can step out and, and, um, he can play on the interior. He can penetrate. Um, he was just a matchup nightmare, I think, for Maryland, um, you know, both times that they saw him. So, um, you know, obviously, I think Wisconsin got really fatigued. They had such a tough schedule down the stretch, and, and maybe he didn't play uh, his best basketball. But um, with the turnaround that they had, and you look at the offensive numbers, uh, you know, mid-year to, or at least maybe, uh, early season to mid to then late season, I think, you know, he was kind of the guy that um, carried them. And, and considering the amount that they lost last year, um, that's impressive. And, that, you know, you could feel probably the pressure that he had on his shoulders. And uh, I think he kind of kind of embraced it. He kind of stepped up with it. So um, I like him as well. Now, one guy that I admittedly don't know much about um, is A.J. Hammonds from Purdue. Um, you know, uh-huh. big, big center, um, seven foot two eighty, um, senior, you know, Purdue just got to the championship game of the big 10 tournament, 
um, really took Michigan State right down to the wire um, before eventually losing. But what um, what can people expect to see from this guy, who who it seems like could be a you know another guy that's a borderline first round pick if things break right? Yeah, I mean he's the big thing with him is obviously he you know he's such a great defender. I mean he obviously Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. He probably should have won it last year. Or, you know his teammate won it, um, but he. You know, he's so physical, he's so, he's just a big body, um, and the athleticism you get with that is, is pretty impressive. The wingspan and just his, his ability to react to shots, um, and, and he's really disciplined. I mean, he doesn't really get in foul trouble a lot. Um, I think the one, you know, I think Maryland tried to get him into these situations where they, they kind of, uh, you know, drew him out to the perimeter and made him, kind of forced him to guard ball screens and like, Hard, you know, more athletic players, and I don't think he was as good doing that. So that might be, you know, that might be an area where you know he he wasn't as strong defensively. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't say he has, uh, you know, kind of brilliant, uh, brilliant offensive skill set. I mean, he's he's going to give you, uh, you know, they run their offense pretty much through him, and and he's going to give you. Uh, you know he's going to give you putbacks. He's going to give you hooks, and he's going to. But I wouldn't say his 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 post game is, is necessarily the best in the Big Ten or anywhere else. But he he can score, obviously, and and so he's really active. And um, I think his mo is defensively. So um, you know it's it's tough to tell how far Purdue will go because they just don't have the guards. I, I you know maybe to make a Final Four run. I could be wrong on, on that, but. They do have Hammond. They do have the size, and he's um, he's really fun to watch. He's he's just kind of this bruiser that um, you know you figure will get drafted because you can never have enough bigs, talented bigs in the NBA. Even the way the game is going now, it just seems like the, the you know the sheer frame that he brings and the skills he brings is is going to be a commodity. Yeah, any 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 seven footer that's got some athleticism and can block shots is going to have a home in the NBA. I mean, it doesn't matter right, what right. where the game is if you can protect the rim and, and move a little bit and may run some, you know, be a pick and roll guy to, at minimum. That'll be right. that'll be enough. Now we saved the best for last with with uh, the team that you you spent all year with the Maryland Terrapins. Um, you know, arguably have as much talent as any team in the country just in, in terms of raw. NCAA ta- or NBA talent um, got Diamond mm-hmm. Stone you know, has been a you know consensus first round pick you know maybe lottery pick since going back to a year or two when he was in high school um, you have Mel Trimble their star guard uh, Jake Lehman who you mentioned earlier is a is a wing and um, Robert Carter um, you know is a junior you know second round pick may or may not um, choose to come into the draft this year but. Um, if you could, because um, Maryland, you know, you've seen them a ton, um, and and you know, if Maryland and Cal both win in the first round, there's going to be you know six or seven potential NBA players playing in that game in the second round out in Spokane. Um, but if you could kind of run through these Maryland guys and give and give people who haven't got a chance to see them all season uh, just a little bit of some insight into what they might be able to do at the next level. Yeah, I think Diamond obviously is the highest rated um, prospect at this point. Um, you know, like we were just talking about earlier, I think he's just kind of this can't miss guy. Um, came in with such an advanced um, offensive game, 
uh, just really can do it all. I mean, he's, he really hasn't even shot a lot uh, on the perimeter this year. It, it, whenever he does, it, it's you know it's pretty impressive to see him. But um, you know, he, he's he's a guy that, that you know you can you can run an offense or you can you can uh, you, you know you can throw it into him and watch him uh, you know beat double teams. You can watch him use an array of, of post moves. Um, and I, I'm sure that's what scouts love. I think the biggest thing with Diamond has been um, just how much he's grown up on the defensive end. Um, you know, there was a point where, you know, he started the first, I don't know, eight to ten games, and, and Turgeon had to, had to pull him and sit him on the bench because he had a kind of a penchant to, to pick up an early foul within the first minute or two, and he would hang his head. Um, and it would kind of you know, the body language would kind of seep into to the rest of his performances. You had a few that weren't um, living up to his potential. So Turgeon kind of sat him down and, and forced him to be the sixth man for, uh, you know, over a month. Um, and he, you know, he really, I think he showed maturity in that he um, not only he kind of embraced that, he, he um, you know, he kind of vowed to not... Uh, let that happen again, let that affect him. And he also just, I don't know, he, he turned it on defensively at some point. Um, I think he just, it's so hard for freshman big man, the college game to come in and adjust to the speed. And he just became so much more disciplined defensively, started blocking shots, started uh, affecting shots at the rim, just kind of, you know, was able to go out and use his athleticism and guard smaller players on the perimeter whenever teams would try to go small on him. I mean, he just, he really grew up um, and he won his starting job back. So I think um, he's had his emotional moments. I mean, we saw that, you know, he was suspended for a game and uh, for slamming Vito Brown's head from Wisconsin into the wall, uh, into the court. And uh, he's had, he's had a few moments where, you know, he's, He's got emotional and he's shown his age, um, but there's been a whole string of other moments where he's he's looked beyond his years. So, um, you know, I'm fully expecting him to come out and to, you know, maybe go in the top 15. I don't know if he'd be higher than that, but um, you know, I've been impressed watching him. It's been been really fun to watch him. Um, Mellow Trimble, the the point guard, sophomore point guard. You know, he's dipped a little bit. I, I was looking um, at some of the mocks today and I think he's now kind of a fringe, you know, late first round pick, um, maybe early second, which, you know, maybe, maybe that might not be that big of a deal. It might be the best thing. He goes to a really good team, and um, learns behind, you know, some veteran guards or teams that have good systems, good cultures. Um, but, you know, the whole point of him coming back this year was to, solidify his stock and to so maybe, you know, to 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 jump into that lottery uh territory and he just he's he's dealt with um this hamstring issue that he he, he uh hurt back in January. Um you know he's had this back pain, this this kind of these back issues and then this this hamstring kind of um re aggravated that. So um you know what what was a really good start for him all of a sudden turned into kind of a slumping year um, and the injury was kind of central to that, but also I think we saw his confidence kind of go down a little bit. Um, you know, shooting percentages went down. His 
his scoring uh, went down. He's still very productive, and he's still leading the team in assists and scoring and, and free throw percentage. But, you know, last year he went to the line 240 times. Uh, this year, you know, I don't think he crossed the 100, you know, trips threshold until, you know, there was two weeks left in the regular season. So, um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's had a, a really difficult year in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see if he can kind of improve his stock um, in the tournament. I mean, this would be the time to do it. And, and um, I, I still am convinced that he's going to go. Um, but now it's a little more intriguing just with the way things have gone. Um, I think Mel is a great kid. I think, uh, you know, I think he works hard. I think he, he's obsessed with basketball. He wants it to be great. Um, I just think now the decision is, is, you know, for teams is, is, you know, for a guy who maybe doesn't have great, um, athletic upside, who, who maybe has some shortcomings defensively, you know, where do you take him? Where do you, he seems you know, to me like a, like a, a great, great college guard that's destined to be a backup point guard in the NBA, Yeah, which is, yeah. A, which is a it, tough place, which is a tough thing to try to gauge. Like you said, you know, he was a guy that came back, you know, thinking, you know, we were at that tournament. Um, we were both at that Columbus regional last year. Um, you know, and he got right. done and, you know, it was like, well, you know, he's probably going to come back and, you know, maybe he can get, like you said, up in the mid first round, maybe get in the lottery. Um, but really it's just kind of, like you said, he's kind of fallen to the exact same spot he was in a year ago. And I, I kind of wonder if he's ever going to get much higher. Cause I just, like you, I mean, you just laid it out really well. I think his, his upside to me is pretty limited in terms of, you know, he isn't that big. He's not going to get much more athletic. You know, he is just kind of a, I think he could be a really good backup point guard, but there's a, just kind of an automatic ceiling on how high you're going to go in the draft if that's what your ceiling is as a player. Yeah, and you just see the amount of point guards coming into the league and quality point guards. It's just, um, you know, it's 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 tough out, out there for young point guards. And, uh, you know, I think you bring up a great point. I mean, will his stock get any higher so you know and I, I i just think that um you know he's right there uh, you know he, he's still potentially a first round pick and um i would be really stunned if he decided to come back um but um he's looked he, you know he's looked a little more fresh as of late um and he can still do i guess he can still do things and you know the um you know the, the pre-draft camp um I guess that would be an option for him to. to you yeah, know, he might be a guy. There, I think he might be a guy that benefits Roman from this new rule that gets you more time to be in the draft this year. Maybe he'll go in and and uh, yeah, get a sure. chance to do some workouts. And if he can't, you know, if he can't get higher than you know a fringe first round pick, maybe he decides, you know, what the heck, I'll just come back and you know continue to be the king of College Park. There's worse things. Uh, there's worse things to be. I mean, one guy that had that option and came back is Jake Lehman. Um, you mentioned him before, right. you know, this is a guy, I mean, in an NBA where, you know, I was just talking to Gino about this before, in an NBA where every team is desperate to find wing players, I mean, Jake Lehman, you know, is six nine kid, athletic, can handle the ball, can kind of do a little bit of everything, is a good defender. Um, he's a guy that screams that he should be a good NBA player, but I think it's fair to say that throughout his career in Maryland, he's been one of those guys that, 
you've always kind of wondered if it was ever all going to quite come together on the court the way people thought it was, right? Yeah, um, I think that's really actually that's that's it. I mean, it's just, it's it's never fully came together, and I, I even think that Jake would tell you that. Um, you know, it wasn't until maybe this year that he that his his game had fully developed. Um, for whatever reason, he came in as a purely a kind of a, a three point specialist shooter. Um, physically, he was limited. I mean, he's 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 grown a lot, but um, you know, a lot of people I always hear it. You know, they they just talk about his assertiveness and his. Um, sometimes his his hesitancy to, to take over to kind of impose him his himself on games. Uh, I think down the stretch we've really seen him do that uh, more often than not, and it's been really impressive. It makes you wonder, you know, at times throughout his career where this was. Um, but I think if you just if you strip all of that away and you just look at the type of athlete you're getting, the type of skills you're getting. Um, you know how much he's grown physically. He's playing at about 205, 210, where whereas he came in maybe at 190. Um, the frame, you know, the way he, he defends right now, and then just the shooting ability. You know, everybody says, you know, this guy's name is Chandler Parsons. I don't know about that, but he's a guy that can. He sure reminds him of. You, I mean, he. I mean, he's a. You know, he's a six nine white guy that can handle the ball and is kind of athletic. I mean, that's where. Yeah, I mean, know, that's kind of the easy comp to make. Yeah, and that's that's the that's the, the comparison people have made for a couple of years now. Um, you know, I don't know who else he would he would compare to, but I think there's value there, and I think um, I think he's obviously going to land on a roster, and it's going to be intriguing to follow him and see what he's able to do at the next level. Um, but um, yeah, like the other night, he. he against Nebraska in the quarterfinals, Big Ten tournament, he you know he comes out and hits. You know, five trays within the first twelve minutes of the game, and uh, just just looking like a different guy. Looking like a if you if you get that guy, you know you have you know you have you have something. Um, That's the guy that keeps the, Mark Turgeon up at night, right? Wondering if he's going to get him. Right. Wondering if he's going to get him for six games over the next couple of weeks. Because if he, right. you know, if that he's that if if that Jake Lehman shows up, you know, Maryland could probably beat anybody in the country. And if yeah, if the other sure. one shows up, you know it's hard to say it's hard to say what their what their ceiling is. Um, before right. we get into these teams, real quick, um, could you could you give uh, could you give people a brief overview of what they could expect from Robert Carter if he does decide to come out? Yeah, Carter's yeah Carter might be actually you know he might be the most intriguing prospect of all of them. Um, you know, just his versatility. Um, we saw it in the Big Ten tournament, but his versatility—it's—it's it's pretty off the charts. I mean, he—he's um, one of these guys who, you know, he's all these kids are are basketball junkies. Don't get me wrong, but this kid takes it to another level. He's—he's he's hardcore. He's always working on his game, um, and you can just see it offensively. He just has so many um, skills, so many things he can do in the post, um, off the dribble. Um, shooting, you know, the three like we saw against Michigan State. Um, I think he's become a better defender. He's very vocal, emotional. He's got a good, good body, strong. Um, you know, he's he. It seems like he's 
he's gotten better taking contact, playing with contact. Um, so all of these things, all these thoughts I've had on him, and, and it's I don't I don't exactly know what scouts think of him. Um, I've seen him, you know, maybe as a, a second round pick, late second round pick in, in some mock drafts. But I think you know if he decides to come back, he would definitely be the guy. I mean, he he would have a year in college where it seems like everything would run through him and it would be really, it would be crazy to see what he could do. Um, but I think, um, just looking at what he can do offensively, it just, I, I think his game really translates to the NBA level and, and, and um, you know, it'd be fun to watch him in the NBA for sure. And, and, you know, we'll see what he decides to do though. All right. So let so let's real quick, you know, the the, the Big Ten's got a bunch of teams in. We talked about how they were maybe a little unfairly seated in terms of being dropped down, maybe a little lower than than they should have been. But, um, you know, after seeing the league all year, Roman, um, you know, what 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 which of these Big Ten teams do you think people should should maybe try to to target to 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 make runs this these next couple weeks? Um, And and who, if any, do you think they should stay away from? Um, you know, obviously Michigan State, I've got them in my final four, I've decided, uh, you know, I think it's just the mystique, the March thing that they have, I don't know what it is, um, just the coaching, the culture there, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's really hard to, to, to pick against them, especially now, it's just, it seems like they're playing so well, um, so I would definitely, you know, buy stock in them, um, you know, I can see Maryland going to the Sweet 16. I think Kansas is just Kansas is so good, um, and, and maybe they they don't have the NBA talent Maryland has, but it just seems like they're they're at another level right now um, than a lot of teams in the country. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm not totally sold on Indiana. I would I'd, I'd advocate um, on Indiana. Um, you know, I I think they're up tempo, kind of running gun style. Uh, maybe it fits. Um, in a tournament setting for the, you know, in a lot of games, but I just, I don't know. I, I watching them the other day in the big 10 tournament, um, you know, I, I wasn't totally sold that, you know, this is a team that can make a deep run. Same on Wisconsin. I just think they looked really tired, uh, just to get to the point where, you know, earlier in the big 10 play, they, they, you know, they were definitely not an NCAA tournament team and they seems like they expended so much energy just to get into the tournament. Um, I think I was really intriguing at, you know, as a seven, um, you know, they're in a, a really difficult bracket, but, um, you know, I, I think if somehow they can like recalibrate and like McCaffrey can get them playing back to the way they were early on, which was they have to prove to everybody that they can, you know, that they can play instead of being a top five team. Um, kind of that mentality, kind of that, um, you know, that bully mentality that they had early on in conference play. I think, I think they could be dangerous. Um, but the one, you know, obviously I think, I think the one team, um, that I watch out for is Michigan State. I think the others, including Purdue, you know, maybe their guard play isn't as solid as, as a lot of teams in the field. And, and that's why I maybe hesitate on taking that deep as well. So I, I would say Michigan State's the one, the one team. Uh, that maybe you can bank on going deep. All right, so so real quick then before we let you go, what's your uh, what's your final four and who's your champ? Yeah, uh, so like I said, Michigan State. I think 
of the Midwest. I'm going to take Kansas in the South, um, North Carolina. Um, and then I'm not totally sure on the West, but um, I'm going to be boring and go with Oregon um, just because I'm a West Coast guy and, and I'd love to see them make a run. <laughs> It's uh, a good enough reason, but I, I I just think it's yeah I I think it's North Carolina. I just think that there's just something there, and and they're just waiting to elevate. Um, you know, I, I thought Adam Kilgore the other day had a, a great story about um, how yeah this year has been really mystifying. There's been no team that's really just you know taking the country by you know you know by the throat and just kind of taking over. Uh, and I think they're you just look at their personnel that you know top to bottom where they're playing right now and just I just I, I think that they're they're gonna take it to another level in the tournament and and so yeah I'm gonna take them. Nah they've been they've been great. I mean it's hard it's hard to argue. They got a ton of talent. Roy Williams has been there a million times. Um you know and, and you're you're spot on about Adam's story. You know, he really I it's hard to argue with his logic in and looking at looking at North Carolina as a team that that could make a run. Um, Roman, this has been great. I think I think that's exact. I think anybody who wanted to know anything about what these guys can do in the league will learn a lot from hearing you talk about these guys in the Big Ten. Um, for those of you that don't already follow them on Twitter, can you can you give uh, the people your Twitter handle and can you uh, can you plug some stuff that you've done recently? Because I know you've done some good work and people should go check it out. Yeah, it's just at Roman Stubbs. Um, yeah. Be in Spokane this weekend, Louisville next. Um, looking forward to the NCAA tournament. It's gonna be fun. Yeah, it should be good, man. And uh, and yeah. and it, do you have any do you have any stories recently that you uh, you want to plug for anybody to go look for on our website? Um, yeah, I actually have a story coming out on uh, the Delonte Hill. Uh, he's uh, he's a former. Um, assistant under Huggins at Kansas State. He also was under Frank Martin. Uh, obviously, he then came to Maryland under Turgeon, had some legal problems, and uh, at one point, he was the highest-paid college basketball assistant in the country. Now he's, after you know a few years of legal problems, got a few DUIs. Um, he's back on the mend and trying to get back in the game. So he's a, he's a really fascinating kind of kind of a powerful... Uh, figure in the DC basketball world. Um, and so I wrote about him this week and just, um, his place in, in the college basketball realm right now and, and how he's trying to get back in. So, um, that's kind of one story that I've been working on a lot lately and, uh, looking forward to seeing it run. When, when's it going to be out? I'm looking forward to reading it now. I think it's coming out Wednesday. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. So, um, uh, well, yeah, people could just maybe. people could just stay all over our website all week and read all of our stuff until it comes out. Then, <laughs> yeah. but I'm looking forward to reading. Yeah. That's a great story. So, Roman, uh, yeah, thanks again for the time, man. This was great, and uh, best of luck on that flight out to Spokane. All right, thanks, Tim. All right, so thanks to Ava, Gene, and Roman for stopping by. Um, I think this was great. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Um, real quick housekeeping here at the end. Uh, you can find posting up on iTunes and Stitcher and wherever else you can get your podcasts. Uh, if you could give us an, a five-star rating and a review in the, the iTunes store, that'd be awesome. That that really actually helps the podcast a lot, um, even if you don't think it's a big deal. So if you could take a couple minutes to do that, that would be great. Um, you can find my work at the Washington Post. You can also find me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Um, you can find me on my Facebook page at Tim Bontemps NBA. Um, really going to start ramping up here over the next few weeks. 
Uh, the postmortem series is, is, is rolling. Uh, just put out the Phoenix Suns today. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets should be later this week, and then we'll go right on from there. That'll be going all the way through the playoffs. Um, so be sure to check that out if you want to know what your favorite team is going to do in the offseason. Thank you to Glenn Yoder and the Western States for the theme music for the podcast. Much appreciated. Um, hopefully we'll be back later in the week with another pod, either um, Wednesday or Thursday with uh, you know probably more of an NBA focus uh, before I have to go cover the tournament all weekend. Um, and then hopefully we'll have a couple podcasts here a week, every week from now until uh, – Till the playoffs start, and then we'll you know we'll do a big playoff preview and we'll get going from there. So, thanks as always to everybody for stopping by. It's much appreciated, and look forward to ha- having you back again soon.